Today's episode is brought to you by Geico. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work, but you know, what's easy bundling policies with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's insurance or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing too, because you already have so much to do around the house. Go to Geico.com, get a quote and see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. And we thank them for sponsoring today's podcast. Get your something to wrestle gear at BrucePritchard.com and check out boxagimmicks.com, the official something to wrestle store where you can find gimmicks for yourself or the fan in your life. New items added weekly. Why adfreeshows.com? It's simple. It's early and ad-free. Why wait for your favorite shows to drop when you can listen as soon as they stop recording? There's no need to wait. You can access it all before anyone else can. Plus, no ads. No one telling you what to bundle or how to keep that man part standing tall. None of that. It's just straight content from all your favorite hosts, including Jeff Jarrett, Eric Bischoff, Kurt Angle, and the rest of the team. That's not all. You also get immediate access to watching their reactions live on video as well. So don't put it off any longer. Do it now. You won't be disappointed. Start enjoying all the podcasts you love early and ad-free at adfreeshows.com. Hey, everybody. Before we get going today, I just wanted to let you know how much we appreciate your support here for the podcast. Both Bruce and I greatly appreciate your support of Something to Wrestle. Even after all these years, we're still having a lot of fun, and we hope you are too. But behind the scenes, man, I'm still doing my first love. I'm helping people save money at SaveWithConrad.com. And that's really why I started podcasting to begin with. To help listeners nationwide, just like myself, wrestling fans who knew where they wanted to be, but they just weren't exactly sure how to get there. I think most of us have the same goals. We want our piece of the American dream, right? We want to own a home. We'd like to pay it off if possible, maybe one day a vacation home, but we certainly want to help our kids. We don't want them to be saddled with student loans. We don't want to be drowning in credit card debt. We just want the peace of mind of knowing that we've made the best decisions for our family. And that's what my family is dedicated to doing over at SaveWithConrad.com. Don't take my word for it. Check out our reviews, ConradReviews.com. Check out what my man Nicholas up in Lexington, South Carolina wrote. He gave us a five-star review and he says, Francis, Larry, which is my dad, and Holly were great to deal with and answered questions I didn't even know to ask. I tried to refinance over a year ago and wasn't able to. In that year, my debt only increased and I wanted to give it another shot and I'm so glad I did. Your team not only got me a lower interest rate, but saved me $800 a month in credit card debt while keeping the same monthly payment. My credit score has also jumped 92 points in less than two months. I highly recommend using SaveWithConrad.com for your refinance needs, or you can be an undercover hillbilly and keep overpaying. Well, I appreciate that. I don't want you to keep overpaying. I want you to keep more of your own money. Thanks for the five-star review, Nicholas. We greatly appreciate your support. And guys, we're licensed in more than 40 states. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this. If we can't save you some cash, we won't waste your time. Punch it in your phone right now. You'll be glad you did. It's SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. Oh, and did I mention no house payments for two months? Find out how much money you can save right now for free at SaveWithConrad.com. Welcome. Do something to wrestle with. Something to wrestle with. Bruce Pritchard. Bruce Pritchard. Well, you know. 
That's not a rib. She pooted. She pooted. What a rib? No, you have a big There's no box of gimmicks. Rumor and innuendo. I don't deal in rumor and innuendo. Was he there? I was there. I don't give a shit. I ain't scared. I ain't scared to shit. Fuck you, Bruce. Ah, God damn, kid. God damn it. What the hell show you got there? I need more. Ooh, yeah. What say you? Pronouns, pal. And now, something to wrestle with. Con Bruce Pritchard. Eek. The second most recognizable athlete in the entire world today. Conrad Olsen. What happened when? Huh. What would Vince say about that? Well, hey, Vince. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to Something to Wrestle With, Bruce Pritchard. Bruce, what's going on, man? How are you? I'm okay. So, uh, Bruce feels like he's in a hostage style situation. Maybe we should post a photo of you holding today's newspaper or something. You have, uh, I haven't left the house. Have I? Nope. You have not left the house. You have slept all day. You have, uh, not shit the floor, but before we press record, you got another emodium slept till 1030. It's been a pretty rough. I was up before 1030. You were up and back and forth to the toilet all night from what I heard. Okay. Anyway, the point is, this is maybe the worst vacation ever. But the best for you. I did get a bidet. You got a bidet. You and got now, me installed. And, and, and Mrs. Thompson is now convinced I'm the best husband ever. So I need you to make a run in with the missus about every quarter, just so I can show her how the other half lives. Or maybe I could train you to, to train be, her. To be an asshole. No. Why? How am I an asshole? Right before we clicked record, you said, "Oh, my stomach hurts" or some bullshit. And Mrs. Pritchard said, "Tons my, no, are my rollades. wife said, "Baby, are you feeling okay?" And I said, "Ah, you know, hey." And she said, "Can I get you some something for your stomach?" I said, "Sure." And she said, "Tums or rollades?" Because she has both for yeah. you. And then you made your selection. Sometimes you feel like a tum. Sometimes you feel like rollades. You go minty. And, it's a minty. and she ran upstairs and I just looked at you with a look of amazement that man, you've, uh, you run a tight ship. Damn right. So yeah, this is day three without you leaving the house. <laughs> 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 uh, but Hey, we're, uh, we're doing another in-person something to wrestle. You know, we were behind could, on you, our, you could only hope to strive to have someone as wonderful and magnificent as my wife. Oh, no doubt. Dude, you have. You have way out kicked your coverage. Yeah. I mean, she's cleaned your house. She's installed she's a bidet. The mail. She installed she's fixed the bidet. all the plumbing and everything wrong in the house. She found a toilet downstairs that I forgot we had. And she said that the internal mechanics were not working properly, but she rewired the motherfucker. She diagnosed and it and fixed it. Fixed it. Yeah. Yeah. And she took Clint's 
list for the next month and Clint, did it in about three hours. Clint who? From, Clint from Hershey. Uh, well, I get these lists, but sometimes I think that, I think you're only supposed to do one thing per day. So, so I only do one thing per day, Conrad. Because that's what, I'm looking for a four star review. My favorite part of our experience today so far is we're recording this on a Wednesday. As you said, God, so, I don't even know what day it is. I know. I had to remind you. Uh, but we did watch NXT last night, NXT 2.0, which was cool. But uh, <laughs> he said, when are we going to the souvenir shop? <laughs> As if you're in some resort in a uh, tropical island instead you're in huntsville abalama or whatever you call it and i offered to take you to the space and rocket center and you said we don't even have one of those that's in houston right well the yeah. i mean nasa is in houston well nasa's the here. space program is in houston well in here the only important part of the space program is in houston i think it's worth a google no i think that your google machine is broken you realize that cassio kid's wife big booty judy actually works on the space shuttles right so from here okay okay I'm just we saying. build them in houston we make them in houston we make it possible for her to be able to have a job so that she can then go to the country to all right let's talk about why we're it. here unforgiving why are we here well we've sold a bunch of ads and we have to deliver a show every week we're good con- call we're contracted uh, by cumulus podcast at this point to deliver one and you know it's time for us to talk about unforgiven 06 but by the way before you leave town Tomorrow, I'm going to make you record mind games. No. Yes, you like mind games. I thought this is what we were doing today. Unforgiven 06. Today. No, we said we were doing mind games today. Well, we can do it right after. Why can't we do it now? It's not like you're going anywhere. But why can't we do it now? Let's run through this. You realize that we had like a private little like a sunset cruise lined up for you yesterday? And we had a little private dinner where okay. we had to pay for the reservation in advance. And then you decided, no, nah. you did not. Oh, for sure. Well, then I'll pay you back. No, it's fine. I don't care. I'm just saying we had some arrangements. Well, you don't do it. care. Otherwise, you wouldn't have brought it up. And then you opt for buttery noodles from the kids' menu at yes. nothing but noodles. And now you're giving I me. I needed something bland. I needed just to put some kind of substance. And then you're like, it wasn't very good. Well, no shit. It's fucking nothing but noodles. Why are you knocking nothing but noodles? That's well, all I wanted was nothing but noodles. Well, they're not. A... <laughs> I just wanted noodles with some butter on them. Going. Hey, we watched the Mets thing. What did you think of that on 30 for 30? Well, that was fun. That was pretty good. Yeah. What about Unforgiven 06? Was that pretty good? It's a raw only pay-per-view. No, no, tell me about it. Well, let's talk about it. Bridgeport, Connecticut. How far is, how far is that from where you live now? About 15, 20 minutes. Oh, so this would have been a great... Well, at this point in 06, you're living in, in Houston, Texas. So that was a long ways from me at that point yeah. in 06, yeah. Well, you got a big crowd here. I wasn't even paying attention at that point. 5,700 people. 06, probably not a banner year for the company, right? Depends on what you consider banner. Uh, sales, merchandise, buy rates. It was good. Uh, the opening segment features Lita throwing a spinner belt into the Long Island Sound. From the ceiling comes a new belt. It's the rated R belt for Edge. Whose idea was uh, was it for Edge to get his own belt? Is this just a great way to expand merchandising opportunities? Well, God, Cena got his own belt. Why can't Edge have his own belt? And he was the rated R superstar. Well, I just want to backtrack so- because we've talked about the spinner before. And I think the traditionalist wrestling fan in you hated it. But the business part of you is like, fuck, we're selling a lot of these. This was a good idea. It was a great idea. Yeah. 
So why not do one for Edge, right? Yeah, and it kind of gives individuality a little bit to Edge, and Edge was uh, kind of at the height of his heeldom at this point, and it worked. It fit. Overall, you know, I understand that everything in wrestling changes, and, and we don't really talk about current stuff, but before you went back, the company adopted just the logo as the belt. So like the, the entire center plate of the championship is just the company logo. And I get from a mainstream standpoint, why you would want that, but does a little bit of you, the old school wrestling fan miss the look and feel of a traditional wrestling belt. I like the NWA world heavyweight championship belt. that was worn by Luthez, Gene Kaniski, Pat O'Connor, Dora Funk Jr. Yeah. That's your favorite belt ever, right? Ever. And as best we remember, you thought Larry Matizik had it once upon a time. I did. Hmm. You know where it is now? I do not. If there is anyone out there that knows where it is, then uh, slide my DMs because Bruce won't slide in his. Connie's DMs. <laughs> I'll make God. sure you get it. <laughs> yeah, I have no uh, interest I would, in that. Uh, but I, I don't want any reproductions. I, don't, I want the the belt with the leather with the gold with the everything. And I know the crown's not there anymore. It broke off sometime during Dory's reign. That makes it cooler to me. I like when they have a little use on them. Yeah, but I like the little crown on it. Well, we can get you a little crown. Yeah, but it's a, I want the crown, and the crown's gone somewhere. It's gone forever. So you now you just want to fuss? Kinda. So Jeff Hardy returns after being out of the WWE for three years, and Edge maybe has the line of the night. He says, didn't you die three years ago? And, of course, uh, Edge and Jeff brawl, and a match is made for later on in the night. Of course, this is all happening. The, uh, the raw after the big pay-per-view and we're setting the stage for our next pay-per-view. And this is very much the era where, you know, we've got a pay-per-view every month. And I know at this point it had been the case for a while, but that's really priority number one in that era, right? On the heels of a big pay-per-view, you get started working on the next pay-per-view immediately because you've got four weeks to build and try to sell that show, right? Well, it's any, any good promotion. I mean, you can go all the way back to the territory days, week to week, you know, you're looking at what are you what are you promoting for next week? What are you going to do to bring the audience in next week? So that's episodic television. That's promotion 101. You want to get your audience uh, at their hottest, and you want to keep them on the hook and keep them going. So keep them invested. Uh, just promotion 101. So. The question, I guess, is why uh, why program Jeff and Edge together so quickly when you already had Edge and Cena in such a hot top program? Uh, on the heels of SummerSlam, it still feels like there's meat on the bone. There's more life left in that. Is this just more about, hey, we got to introduce Jeff Hardy back into the mix? And why did it make sense for him to land on Raw rather than SmackDown? Well, I think there's more than anything. It's, it's timing, and you look at what you have at the time. What's hot? And introduce someone hot. Uh, you're going to perceive a, a top star when they come in on top versus bringing them in underneath. And that's how they're perceived. Did SmackDown being a taped show perhaps hurt the surprise element? Like if you're going to have a, a surprise return, you want it on a live show, right? Well, you know what? I mean, yes and no. And I don't, even to this day, I'm not. And haven't ever really been a big proponent of, oh my God, it's taped. Everyone will know. Uh, I subscribe to bullshit on that. I don't think everyone knows. I don't think everyone goes to the internet to see what the fuck they're going to watch. And if they do, then I hope that it's good enough that they're going to read it and say, well, man, I want to see that. 
Well, but if that's really the attitude you have, why does the company hide guys in trailers all day? Why not just let them roam around? Because you like to surprise everybody. That's why. But didn't you just say it doesn't have to be a surprise? And that, that it doesn't have matter. to be. Okay. You're, you asked me about taping something. Yeah. And if that's why we did it. And I say I still... But I hey, look, I subscribe to the bullshit as far as hiding people. I subscribe to, like, hey, Matt, go ahead and get it out. Let people buzz about it. Let people talk about it. I don't have a problem with that. I guess there is really is, like, two schools of thought, like... You know, when they debuted Eric Bischoff, right? They they show him before they go to a commercial break, and then he makes the big debut after the commercial break. So he has a backstage segment, you know, where he runs into Booker T or whatever. Oh, tell me I didn't just see that or whatever. But the idea, I think the methodology at the time was that gave people an opportunity to text their friends or call their friends and say, hey, you got to flip it over, right? I got a question for you. Shoot. Have you ever been sitting at home watching a television show? What's your favorite TV show besides Monday Night Raw and uh, Friday Night SmackDown? Dynamite. Uh, I don't know. Probably the... Please. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll call double fuck you on that. I get your little... Oh, you got one over on you. No, folks, I listen and hear everything. I just refuse to comment. And, you know, fuck y'all, all y'all motherfuckers. Uh, fuck you. No, I like the Sunday HBO and Showtime shows. Okay, so you like the Sunday HBO and Showtime yeah, shows. Yeah, like Billions is back. That's a great show. I watch Billions. Billions is a great show. I love I Billions. I watch Billions, yeah. I'm a big fan of Billions. Yeah. I totally out. forget what the fuck point I was trying to make. Well, me too, but shout out to Dan Soder. It's back. Billions is back. Yeah, but what were we just talking about? You said, I got a question for you. What's your favorite TV show? Now, I was talking about how Eric Bischoff oh. did a tease. Well, okay, a okay. So, break. so, 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 how many times are you watching Billions? Right. Okay. And something happens and, and you pick up the phone and you call somebody and say, oh my God, did you see what Axe just did? No, I've, I've actually never done that. Okay. What's my point? So I think people watch TV to watch TV and be entertained and, and just enjoy. Man, be in the moment. If you got to critique and criticize everything that you watch and everything that you hear, man, in, in some ways it's kind of a... I don't know. I, I, I want to get lost. Entertainment's to be entertained. And, and you want to be entertained and lost in a moment and lost in time. And sometimes and when you break it down and analyze it too much, it strips all that away. It strips all the fun away. Yeah. And you can, you can watch something and go, ah, hey, man, maybe that wasn't what I liked tonight. Or maybe that there was a lull in the story. Some episodes are better than other, even in episodic television. Exactly. Um, so just, you know, I I just always think, man, take it in the moment. And and even in, I think in, in 2021, you know, we, we look at everything in, in such a different lens because I don't think that I even watch any live television at all. And you go back to 2006 sports you watch sports live and i don't prob- even watch sports live because i don't like sitting through the commercials yeah i'll watch so I'll, I'll come in late where i figure in my head i can fast forward through the commercials and pick up pick it up live for the finish yeah okay but i can skim through the rest of the shit and i see the good stuff well see like alabama games i'm gonna watch those live because i'm a super fan but when it comes but you only to watch like, first 15 minutes but when it comes to like nba playoffs i know man just just watch the last five minutes you told me you only watch first 15 minutes of alabama games. well well that's when it's a blowout so like this sunday or saturday tomorrow so you only so, watch first 15 minutes well, of alabama games. a lot of times yeah okay i'm watching very intently and then it's like okay this one's kind yeah. of done 
Hey, did you know more than 50 million men in the United States suffer from male pattern baldness? Did you know there are only two FDA approved medications that can prevent hair loss? Well, our friends keeps, they offer both keeps offers a simple stress-free way to keep your hair convenient virtual doctor consultations and medications will be delivered straight to your door every three months. Meaning you never even have to leave the house. It's also low cost. You see the keeps treatments start at just 10 bucks a month and keeps offers generic versions. Keeps also provides discreet packaging and proven results. Don't take my word for it. Check it out. Keeps has more five-star reviews than any of their competitors. By the way, prevention is key. Treatments can take four to six months to see results. So act fast. If you're serious about keeping your hair and it doesn't get any better than keeps. And if you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, go to keeps.com slash wrestle to receive your first month of treatment for free. That's K E E P S.com slash wrestle to get your first month free. That's keeps.com forward slash wrestle. That's K E E P S.com slash wrestle. Um, I do want to mention though, I do think you're onto something with, uh, people being overly critical to the point where they can't enjoy the show anymore. Well, there was a, somebody leaked a, a video of the, the set of the NXT 2.0 and I quote tweeted it and said, man, this looks awesome. Cause it was sort of old school feeling. I liked the way the chairs were blah, blah, blah. And a guy responded underneath. I don't like the chairs. And I quote tweeted it and said, boy, this is wrestling Twitter wow. in 2020. I'm just complimentary of, Hey, I like the new look and I don't like the chairs. I'm like, God, is that where we are with breaking down and, and, and analyzing wrestling? And I don't like the chairs. You're not going to see the fucking chairs. There'll be people. I'm not going to watch. I'm not going to watch a Los Angeles uh, football game because I don't like the stadium. Yeah. That's a little weird. Isn't it? That's yeah. That's a little over, uh, or not. like what you know? I don't like the chairs. What's the worst place where they have the blue astroturf? Oregon? Uh, no, that they're green. You mean Boise State? Boise State. Yeah, and it's blue. No, it's blue. It is blue. It is blue. But uh, Oregon's green is what I was saying. So yeah, they wouldn't no, have a blue I field. Yeah, I know. I realize it when when the words came out of my mouth. Okay, damn it. But that's annoying. That I won't watch it just because it's hard to follow. I can't. I can't. It no, I get, it takes you out of it. Yeah, you're colorblind, so it's all green to you. Somebody was giving JR shit the other day because he called Paul White were. Big Show. And somebody tweeted him and said, I couldn't enjoy the show after that. It really took me out of it. And it's like, is that real? <laughs> I don't know. Some of the analysis and breakdown and complaints in wrestling Twitter are just something else. I don't like the chairs. Uh, let's get back to the raw after the big pay-per-view Vince runs into coach in the back on a Bowflex for our product placement move of the night. Um, man, I kind of, <laughs> I kind of like when there's a random uh, opportunity for branding inside of raw, because it reminds me of the old Wayne's world skit where they're like, we would never be a corporate sellout as they open the big pizza hut box and drink a delicious Pepsi, but what a better way to advertise than the most bang for their buck, because that's still on the network today. Right. And if you were wanting to bang tonight, then I would suggest that you, anyway, um, yeah, we don't know what our ads are right now, but that would have been a great spot. That would have been a nice segue, right? Would have. Yeah. Uh, so Vince and Shane discuss how Shane wasn't the legal man at SummerSlam and the pin shouldn't count. And right after that, Randy Orton cuts a promo talking about how he really beat Hulk Hogan. 
And since Flair's a bigger legend than Hulk anyway, he's going to beat him tonight. Um, Hogan's gone. That was his last match in WWE. Was there ever any discussion as far as you know about one more match with Hogan after that? I think there's always discussions with Hulk about one more match uh, after the last one. And sometimes, especially, you know, when it would come come to Hulkster and things of that nature, that you needed a little break. Sometimes everybody just needs a little break and need, need a little respite, if you will. Carlito's going to interrupt Orton, and they're about to begin a program. Hey, folks, he has notes over here. When I try to look over at his notes, he 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 turns the computer away from me, so I can't look at his you've, notes. You've had these notes for weeks. I... Well, you've been here for days, not coming downstairs, just sleeping all day like Esmeralda up there. I thought you were climbing off the front balcony by your hair at this point, because you need a damn haircut. You'd like a hippie. I'm going to get you one set up Saturday at 4. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Janine and uh, shout out to Janine in Monroe. Uh, was the, was this the big attempt to make Carlito a top baby face? I mean, Orton's a tippy top guy. He is a heel. It feels like there's been some stops and starts with Carlito. I think most people associate him with a heel or as being a heel. Did you prefer Carlito as a heel to a baby face? Or did you think there was life in, in him as a, as a baby? I really thought that Carlito frankly was a better baby face. Really? Why is that? Because first time I ever saw Carlito was in Puerto Rico, and um, we were over there doing a show for Victor Quinones' group, and with with Savio and those guys, Carlos's TV was on, and Kurt Hennig was uh, on the island for Cologne. So I uh, ran into Kurt at the uh, hotel bar, and and, uh, we sat and had a few drinks, and he uh, was telling me all about it. He goes, oh, my God, you've got to see this kid, Carly Cologne. And this is Bruce. He goes, if you, you know, there's anybody here. He says, this guy's it. And so my first exposure to Carly was as, you know, the, the baby-faced Carly Cologne uh, for his dad's promotion. He, and he just was magnificent as a fiery baby face. He, he had the fire. He had the likability. Um, Young, if you, handsome, good yeah. looking. Yeah. And, if, and if you know him, the real human being is, is just a sweetheart of a guy. So did he portray a heel? Yes, very well. He just, to me, was a better baby face. Do you think you always feel that way? Like the way you first see someone is the way you remember them? Like sometimes you see somebody and they're, and they're not wearing glasses. And then later when, you know, they're, they take their contacts out and they're wearing glasses, you're like, oh, I don't like that as much. Because you in your head will always picture them without glasses. You think of me differently with glasses? I don't, but I know that that's a thing. So like, if, you know, even if somebody dyes their hair or, or what have you, do you feel like that? is the case for you. Like how you first are introduced to them. You always kind of remember them that way. Well, first impressions are everything. However, I think as you get into the business and you get to know someone better and you see what their real tendencies are, um, it's, you know, like you, you thought I was a heel before you ever met me. And I knew, and then we got to know each other and you realize that your first impressions were correct. Yeah. Super heel. Everybody knows that. Yeah. But exactly. you're our heel, damn it. I mean, within what, within a couple hours of you and I meeting, I'll never forget, you turned to me downstairs. Uh, and the thing, you, me, goes, you said, wow, you really are a heel, aren't you? And I just went, yeah. 
So the Highlanders, Jim Duggan and Eugene beat the spirit squad in an eight, eight man tag match to make the Highlanders the number one contender for the tag titles. Why don't you think the Highlanders worked out in the long run? Hmm. I just don't think that they were, was it a victim of bad gimmicks? I mean, could those guys have been successful in another persona? But that was their persona. That was their idea. That was how they lived their lives. Uh, I remember them coming uh, to do enhancement work and, and wearing the kilts. And, I mean, well, they, 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 they were that's prob- who they were. But they were probably doing that to stand out, right? I mean, do you think they're running down the Kroger wearing yeah. it? Kil- okay. Yeah. Okay. Sorry that. Don't get hot about it. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's funny when people say it, it's like... Uh, I used to love it when you you look at real names and stuff, and and you see uh, Jose Lothario, whose real name was Guadalupe Robledo. Uh, but then you get down to Hans Schroeder, obviously a work name, real name, um, just shit like that. That uh, yeah, it's 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 different. That's who those guys were. Uh, so trying to amp it up and i don't know that there was any real amping it up beyond what it was and maybe the audience just didn't feel that it rang true to them something that they couldn't relate to because they weren't playing a part it's who they were do you think perhaps um i'm not saying this is the way it is now but once upon a time in professional wrestling when a person presented a certain persona that they were always sort of typecast as that. For example, let's talk about movies like Will Ferrell. We mostly associate with comedic roles, but he's taken some serious ones. And I don't think the movies did as well as his comedy stuff that you could probably say the same about Adam Sandler guys, moviegoers want them to be funny. And then they don't really get an opportunity to do the other stuff. And when they do, people just don't embrace it. Do you think that could be the case with, People who were writing wrestling, like, well, no, we can't do that because he's a this guy or a that guy. I think it's with anything, yeah, with any entertainment because you you look at it. Tom Hanks, Tom Hanks was a comedian for years, couldn't do anything until he did, did Philadelphia, and it was his first dramatic role that was a breakout role. It wasn't his first dramatic role, but it was his first breakout dramatic role that people went, oh, hey, wait a minute, maybe I can take him seriously because of the material and because of the way that it was presented, but still. People wanted to laugh at Tom Hanks. So their first uh, perception was him as a comedian. So when you're looking at your first perception with talent, yeah, I think that that does stick with you for quite a while and takes an awful lot before people will, will look at you otherwise. Mike McCord was... Never, yeah, it's, it's another interesting case study because people, I'm going to get hate mail on this one. But um, Mike McCord, Austin Idol, you know, Mike McCord was a, a name in the South and a name in New York City, worked with Pedro uh, in the garden and things like that. Um, good hand, decent. All of a sudden, after Mike left and, and had the plane accident with Gary Hart and um, the one where Bobby Shane lost his life and uh, Buddy Colt um, was injured as well, but it was Mike reinvented himself completely as Austin Idol. But outside of Alabama and Tennessee, Idol never got over anywhere else. And to... I asked, you know, a long time ago, uh, so, well, 
to Vince. Many, I mean, I'm going back many, many years because I was thinking of and this is in the late 80s. Right. Okay. I was like, hey, man, what about Austin Idol? Goes, yeah. Barely got over as Mike McCord. No interest. And it was in some ways the stink of Mike McCord that they didn't want to take a chance on Austin Idol. And, you know, look, man, good for him. He was he was huge in Tennessee and Alabama. Oh, yeah. So um, I, don't think he's, I, don't think he, I don't think he's shedding any tears. No. Worked um, out just fine. Yeah. So, but I've just always been fascinated by how some guys get a second chance. Look at Kane, right? Yeah. Kane comes in as the, the evil dentist, and then he's the fake diesel, and then ultimately he wasn't becomes, fake diesel. He was diesel. You know what I mean. Come on. He was uh, diesel. The idea being, Damn it. it took a few. He was a Christmas tree in Memphis. He, he was. Uh, but, you know, even Stone Cold, he was the ringmaster, you know, for y'all. And then, ta-da, here's Stone Cold. And, and The Rock needed a fresh paint of coat once upon a time, mm-hmm. too. And. I've always been fascinated by, you know, cause, and I think that's not necessary. Some people listening to this would say, well, that's not fair, but that happens in sports too. Like, you know, sure. every form of entertainment, Garth Brooks, you know, one of the biggest musical acts country music ever had, maybe the, and then he tries something that wasn't country music and fans just, they didn't want it. So sort of like kiss with no makeup, right? Yeah. Kiss with no, no makeup in kiss. Right. It's four guys that are kind of, kind of ugly, man. I mean, you look at look at the members of Kiss. Uh, They're pretty fucking ugly. I don't know about all that. They are. They're ugly. But you put makeup on them. They look cool. They're rock stars. So DX is going to tag the WWJ and Titan Towers with the DX logo. Oh God. Yep. Graffiti. You what? I did that. It was kind of stupid, wasn't it? No, it wasn't. You liked it. Which part, the jet or the or the or first the towers? Of, I didn't like this version of DX. I think sometimes we should just leave well enough along. And that late nineties DX was fun, but now that we got middle aged Hunter and middle aged Sean pretending to tag stuff that belongs. But to, they did tag, so that was pretty cool. When we did the we did the uh, well. Take us through the experience. The office. Uh, no, what wasn't cool is so we, we did the we had the jet in the hangar and. Um, the actual WWE jet? The actual WWE jet. Okay. And we actually painted the WWE jet um, in the actual hangar. And we had to we had to get the entire hangar so that we didn't Mess disrupt any else. other planes or any, anything else. And we had a vision. So I had a vision. Hunter had a vision. Sean had a vision of what we wanted to do. Wait, y'all all had the same vision or three separate visions? No, we all pretty much had the same vision. Okay. And then there was Vince's vision. And I don't know that Vince ever really... Didn't do a lot of graffiti in his life. Well, no, I don't know that his vision in our... I don't know that he was able to explain his vision very well to us. And instead, I think we got a lot of... um, Okay, this is what this is what we'll do. This will, you know, yeah, okay, no, you guys seem to have a grasp on it. Go do it. And we went and did it. So we did our vision, what the three of us thought. Right. And then um, went on and we did the stuff inside the plane and everything. And and I don't know that we did the the office that night or if we did that on another night, but um the whole the office was was another story. That was a lot of fun because 
that got a lot of heat with all the lights and everything in the area because we we did it after a show and we went up there late at night and and shot it so um that got a lot of heat from the town a little bit in the in the community immediate in the immediate vicinity yes because of the bright lights that were shining up on the building um we had permits we had everything everybody knew what we were doing but the the plane thing when sean and uh hunter went into the plane and and cut their promo was a dx promo and it was it was a it just was a goof and it was meant to be a goof and vince wanted it more serious Vince wanted it more specific and more poignant. And we're not going, this isn't serious. He wanted it more NWO, less sophomoric hijinks. But it was sophomoric hijinks. That's what they were. Yeah, one of them was like Vince loves cock or something, right? Chicken. Yeah, yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Yeah. 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 And it was, but it was. And he does. He eats chicken all like the time. Every day. No, no, no. Oh, he's oh, on a steak he, now? I don't know. He really eats that much chicken anymore. But, uh. Well, back then you used to say, like, dry chicken breast and dry pasta. Try it well, yeah. It was, it was a different vision. Just, you know, we, we were, we, we looked at DX in, in a way through the eyes of kind of, as you said, Hey, these are guys that aren't in their twenties anymore. That are going back to relive. That are that are basically, it was a spoof on a spoof, to to let you know, hey folks, we're not taking ourselves too seriously. We're having fun here, so don't take this as seriously. When it comes time, we got to kick somebody's ass. We'll kick somebody's ass. But it was sophomoric hijinks, and that's what it was. That's what it was intended to be, from my viewpoint. So let's talk about the money. Were you guys trying to get a new plane or were you going to refurbish or remodel the plane or how much did this cost to redo the plane when it was done or undo what was done? Nothing. Not a substantial investment. Not even any investment. Paint, paint was off and probably, I don't know, five hours. Same with the uh, office. No major investment. No. Easy. Uh, and, you know, I feel like we should just address it because you sort of said it, but then walked it back a little bit. I know he doesn't anymore. Maybe Vince was just going through a phase or experimenting, but back then Vince loved cock, right? Conrad chicken, chicken. That's what you said. It was chicken. He's a beef guy. Now likes the beef. Buddy, why are you upset with me about shit that you wrote? I'm just trying to understand. That. Okay, who wrote that Vince loves cock? John and Hunter. That. Okay, I didn't write that. We're talking about the skit here. Can you give me any insight as to? That's just shit that they did. That's shit, again oh, just shit that just own? came up. There was nothing written for that. Like going out and have fun. But you just said I did that. When we well, I, I did the shoots. Yeah. So you were, <gasps> heavens to Betsy, are we allowed to write that? Is that your We reason? didn't write it. We just did it. Okay. That's I, a difference. Right. It, wasn't, it, wasn't, like, it wasn't like somebody sat, uh, wait, sat around. I'm not and, saying pen to paper. I'm saying someone wrote it on the fucking plane. They tagged it. Let me use the, they sprayed it. Let me be very technical. That was Ellis. Okay. Ellis is a bad man. Oh, I'm aware. Yeah. What's that old saying? The more things change, the more they stay the same. 
Well, I think that's definitely true with our internet. Of course, these days, everybody's got the internet in their pocket, and I'm using all kinds of streaming services. I can't imagine my life without the internet. But isn't it weird that our security tools are pretty much the same as what we are using 10 or even 15 years ago? Aura provides complete digital security to help protect your online accounts, finances, and devices all in one easy-to-use app. Now, let me explain. Most credit card companies do a pretty good job protecting you against fraudulent purchases. But what if a scammer, like, files for unemployment in your name? Or what if your social media accounts are hacked? The Aura's protection goes well beyond your credit card. Aura provides you digital security to keep your online finances, your personal information, and all of your tech safe from online threats. It's all-in-one protection from identity theft, financial fraud, malware, scam sites, and so much more. With Aura, you'll get alerted to fraud and threats fast. Like if your online accounts or passwords were leaked online, or if someone tries to open a bank account in your name. Aura is easy to set up. All the plans come with a million dollars in identity theft insurance to help recover your stolen funds. And of course, they have an experienced U.S.-based customer support team that's got your back. Aura is a new type of security service that protects all of your online information and devices with just one simple subscription. With an easy online dashboard and alert sent straight to your phone, Aura keeps you in control and guides you through solving any issues. For a limited time, Aura is offering our listeners up to 40% off plans when you visit Aura.com slash wrestle. Go to Aura.com slash wrestle to get complete protection and save up to 40%. That's A-U-R-A.com slash wrestle. Uh, Vince and Mick Foley have an interesting interaction in the back where Vince tells Mick that he'll have to join the kiss my ass club or someone will get fired tonight. The whole Mick and Vince relationship has always been an odd one. I think is that fair to say? That's fair to say. Uh, Jeff Hardy and edge, uh, have a match here and it ends when Lita interferes and it turns into a Cena edge brawl, which ends with edge getting tossed into the long Island sound <laughs> of all the places to take a dip. This, oh. one, this is one of the worst. Absolutely. And, and actually, I think Edge still looks at me to this day going, yeah, man, I think it was, you threw me in the Long Island Sound. I didn't I throw you anywhere. So, yeah, that's pretty gross, man. Absolutely, disgustingly gross. Right off the pier. It was tremendous. Not knowing what was below. I mean, we had a good idea. <laughs> it was disgusting is what it was. Well, it was disgusting, but also, you know, you... Here's the fear. And you, you look get at, sick from getting in there, right? Yeah, you can get sick from getting in there. But you also don't know, like, if something can float up and be underneath you. Wait, what do you say? Float up? <laughs> like a car or anything else. It's just because there's just so much crap in there. So we actually had, you know, like, divers and people... Making sure that was safe. Making sure it was as safe as could be. But then you're you're doing it live. So if something happens, it happens. So if he goes off in the wrong spot, sorry. Did he get sick? No. So he got dirty. He was stinky. Probably had to throw that gear away. Yeah. Yeah. So Gridiron Gang, starring The Rock and The Marine, starring John Cena, are both going to be promoted throughout the show. Is this really the era where you feel like the the movie division of WWE started to become a major priority? I think that for, in the case of The Marine, yes. Um, 
Gridiron Gang's just cross promotion. Yeah, that was again. You, you got a major, one of your major stars starring. Yes, so that was something for Rock. But um, the Marine was something different. That was something that we had produced with our studio, and it was even then it was looked at kind of as a franchise film. Well, to this day, I think it's probably the best WWE movie. Would you agree? I mean, if you don't count No Holds Barred, which clearly is the greatest wrestling movie ever. Ever. Yeah. Um, no, the, the, I like the condemned condemned to me was, was my favorite. Okay. And I never understood why that was a, it was a was great a premise. Movie. Yeah. And it was a good story just because I like that kind of shit is, I go back to Gilligan's Island when the guy came on the Island that wanted to hunt Gilligan. Same thing. You like that. Yeah. I like that. Foley tells Melina backstage that he'd rather quit than get someone fired. But Melina says she'll take one for the team. Let's keep it going. Uh, was the Foley Melina relationship really based around the internet and never really fleshed out too heavily on television? Is that something that Vince took a liking to because they were always polite with each other in this era. And, and obviously Vince, uh, not Vince, but Mick has always been a fan of, of women in wrestling and, and putting over what they do and blah, blah, blah. But it felt like that one never really translated on screen as much. Do you think there was more that maybe had more legs? I think it, it possibly could have, but you know, I, I, yeah, I have no. Could idea. you have seen him in like a Lou Albano capacity, like managing women of sorts? Like you know, I'm sure he'd being, probably like to do that. Well, it just feels like that's you know he's the cheerleader for a lot of the. Okay, let's keep going. Uh, Flair beats uh, Orton by reverse decision. Uh, it's a uh, disqualification after Orton pins him with the RKO, but then continued to beat the shit out of him. Um, I guess you got to have a way to, uh, quote unquote, get your heat back after you have the Hogan match the night before, huh? Absolutely. And a good way to do it is beat another legend. The main event is uh, the Kiss My Ass Club segment where Melina ends up turning on Foley after Foley kisses Vince's ass to save her job. And this is the last time we'll see Mick on WWE TV until March of 07. Do you remember why Mick was uh, heading home here? Um, Mick, you know, Mick uh, in his retirements always would say, you know, the first retirement is I don't want to be Terry Funk. No one want to retire, you know, 100 times. So I guess he went for 109. Uh you know, mix Mick. See? Do you think his, his injuries made like the travel schedule too brutal at times, or was it just the, the WWE machine at the time where he felt like, ah, oh, this is a pressure cooker. I don't know. What, what's your read on that? I think that, um, that Mick is going to do what Mick needs to do at the time at any time in his career. Got it. So from a, uh, a creative standpoint, were you a fan of the Kiss My Ass Club? I mean, Vince is obviously one of, if not the greatest heel in the history of WWE television. So I kind of like that aspect, but I could see how, boy, from the outside, if you were a non-wrestling fan, you'd think, yeesh. Yeah, but also you think of in any, in any field that there are those people that are accused of that and actually physically see it. See it actually be done. And the 
You mean the hypothetical? Oh, this guy's kissing. Yeah, that guy's guy. kissing. No, Let's man. Let's have the literal representation. This is the literal representation of the evil, of the evil owner who enjoys people kissing his ass, but not just metaphorically. It's like he will go as far as to humiliate them and actually make them do the act. How much of the HBO show Succession do you think is based on? Some of the character, Mr. <laughs> McMahon, not the real life fence, but the character. Oh God. It's gotta be right. A great deal. Yes. I mean that scene where he's, oh, he's getting on all, all fours. Yes. And it's the, like, the dude, fireplace. This, yes. This is WWE shit right here. Yeah. So Vince and Shane are happy about the night going to their limo to drive away, but the rear tires are hooked onto something and the limo loses them. Vince and Shane get out and see DX spray painted on the limo now. Uh, were you enjoying some of the, the DX stunts? Cause I know that, you know, sometimes when you get to do shoots that are, uh, offsite and over the top, that's kind of your jam. Did you like the return to these sort of out of the ring hijinks? Yeah, I did. You know, I, I enjoyed doing, you know, doing things differently. There was many reasons. One, it would get you out of the building for a while and, uh, you could focus on it. That was for you, Brian. So I could get out of the building for a while and not have to produce a bunch of crap back at the building. Um, oh, Gewertz thought that you wanted to just leave the building. Oh, yeah. Gewertz was like, well, I'd do anything to get out because I'm lazy. Oh, yeah. I remember hearing and that. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, yeah, all that, all those things. Um, but it was, yeah, it, it allowed you a little bit more freedom and... It was, you had one shot at it usually, which I love. I love live, live, and I love a little danger in my life. So it's, this better go off. And if it doesn't, it's your ass. And you need to, it's just an extra, it's an extra sense of excitement as a producer when you know that. You're running without a net. You're running without a net. And whatever happens is it's meant to there. happen. Yeah. But it can either be great. Or it can be a three-hour uh, chat afterwards. I find that fascinating about you because you're not really a big gambler. Like if we I'm were a huge gambler, no. If we were going to Vegas, you'd you'd bet like a hundred dollars. You're not like a, I'm taking fifty grand and betting it on the. Well, here's the deal. No, I actually, and you'd ask anyone that's ever had like a personal bet with me and things like that. I will usually only bet when I know I can win. Oh sure. If I have control. <laughs> if I, I have control, I want to rig the shit. You give me money, we, uh, whatever. If you're stupid enough to make the bet with me, then because that's the thing. And as my my kids didn't figure it out till much later, it's like I'm only going to bet you if I know I'm winning, right? So I'm just I saying, bet, I've, I've been to Vegas with you a couple times, yeah. and you're not like, man, I'm going to put ten grand on no. blackjack. That's not your jam. I can't control that. Yeah, that's. I sat down in Vegas. Uh, Whatever, a month or so ago, I had, th this is, I, I literally had 10 minutes. I told you, sorry. So I come down, I'm walking through the casino, and there's a nice lady standing at a table with no one at her table and says, oh, shit, man, three-card poker. I love three-card poker. That's Mandalay Bay, right? Uh, I don't know where the hell I was, okay. actually. Um, and I... I throw down five hundred dollars. I give sure. her, give the nice lady five hundred dollars. She throws cards at me for like maybe five minutes. That's took my five hundred dollar, took my five hundred dollars in chips, and I said thank you very much, and got up and left. I, 
my favorite is I, I took a buddy of mine out there for the UFC years ago and he said, Oh man, we gotta, uh, we gotta go play cards. So we do, but I don't like to play the type he did, but we're at least doing it. And then he gets wiped out and he's like, well, at least the beer's free. And I'm like, you just spent $500 for that beer. That's not a free, beer. free beer. That's a $500 beer. Exactly. So, so yeah, at least the beer's free. Fuck. Yeah, whatever that means. Uh, so the next night you're doing SmackDown and ECW tapings in Pennsylvania. And there's something that really caught my eye in the notes. Uh, Two Cold Scorpio was given a dark match tryout of sorts against Rene Dupree. This is 2006, nine years after, or 10 years after he debuted as Flash Funk. Who would have pushed for Scorp to get another look here 10 years later? God, I don't even, I, it's funny. I remember the situation. I remember the match. I don't, I don't remember the circumstances surrounding it because Scorp was so beyond what what he was in his prime and his peak. It's probably fifteen years after I saw him in WCW. Yeah, um, yeah. you know, I think everybody was kind of like, okay, but it was most likely a situation where he was looking for something, going to be in the area. Hey, we'll take a look. I wonder in hindsight because I've always felt like Scorpio was like way ahead of his time uh, in terms of being a big guy who can do some of that aerial stuff that obviously we know the cruiserweights are going to take to another level a few years later. Do you think he had the disposition to be an, an agent or a coach or something like that or not? Cause he always no. sort of struck me as just one of the boys. He, he was a guy that could do some incredible moves. Still wrestling these days too, by the way, uh, Danny Doring and CW Anderson are also on TV here. They're in enhancement roles for Rob Van Dam and CM Punk. Uh, we haven't spent much time talking about those guys. Did you ever take a look at Danny Doring or CW Anderson? Can't say I did. You don't remember any of their work? No. Okay. Uh, Vic- I remember the one guy they always used to chant, boring, boring. That was the idea. Yeah. That's Danny Doring. Oh, a hell of a gimmick. It is. Yeah. Uh, That's what I want people chanting during my matches. This is a, this is the era where Paul Heyman has a lot of influence on SmackDown, right? Does he? I'm I just wondering so. because you got Danny Doring, C.W. Anderson, Tuchel Scorpio. I think it was more of a geographical okay. situation more than anything. Vicky Guerrero officially turns heel on SmackDown. At the time, everybody thought WWE was crazy and that nobody would book uh, or, or boo Vicky, rather, because obviously we're fresh off of Eddie passing away in November of the prior year. Did you know that Vicky would be able to pull off this heel persona so well? I mean, she became a legendary heel with the company, but all we had ever seen of her is the loving, supportive, and sympathetic, unfortunate widow of Eddie. And now here she is, excuse me, and becomes one of the bigger heels of the era. I didn't know. And here and here's why I say that. I, I had the utmost confidence and the I knew that she had the ability to do it. Um I remember working with Vicky with Eddie on different occasions and, and with the kids and where you know Eddie could kind of be a little bit of a control freak and Eddie was just so kind of in her face is exactly what to do and what not to do and and everything like that um because eddie was a perfectionist in that way so without eddie i wondered 
Would it work? Yes. And by God, when she first cut the heel promo on me backstage and she would come up with shit that she could do as a heel, I went, she's a heel. Vicky's a natural heel. She, she was absolutely a natural. And being married to Eddie for those years and you only saw her in the role as, you know, Eddie's wife. Um, and the, the shit that woman went through. Um, amazing, amazing. And her talent, good Lord, man. She, uh, and how amazing is it too? When you think about it, this is not someone who came through tough enough. This is not someone who came through the independence. This is not someone who came through a casting agency. No, this is a guy's wife who you've been around a bunch and now, Holy shit, where'd this come from? With no formal training or any of that. This and comes from a discussion in Phoenix, Arizona, uh, after the match, after um, Eddie's passing and, and and having a conversation, how you holding up, how you doing, how's everything, to what ifs. Right. And that what if was kind of, you know, people scoffed at it a little bit. It's like, what the hell does she know? Um, well... She's a Guerrero by marriage, and so by default, she lived the business, man. Weird comparison to make, but Stephanie McMahon became a really compelling television character, and you wouldn't necessarily assume that either. Right. But she's around it enough where, ta-da. Yeah, Vicky was a natural. Vicky stepped right into it, and I think Vicky really loves being a heel. So it came through. You know, you and I are a couple of goofs. We were just talking about... uh Hey, was Paul Heyman helping with SmackDown here? No, he's running ECW. Yeah, so, that's why it was the third. Yeah, yeah. So, so CM Punk and Rob Van Dam were teaming up because back then ECW was done on the same night as SmackDown. So that starts to make a little more sense. Speaking of ECW, unfortunately, Kurt Angle is let go by the company on August 25th. We recently covered his leaving on the uh, Kurt Angle show, but in hindsight, I mean, I think you guys were involved in helping make the right decision. It worked out the way it was supposed to. He yes. Had, he had quite the career in TNA. Were you shocked to see him show up in TNA so quickly? No. You knew he wanted to wrestle. He just needed... Was the... No, I, I think that Kurt... I think Kurt was in, in denial, and I think Kurt needed something. Kurt always needs something. To do. Yes. Idle hands um, sort of situation. Yeah. Kurt always needs something to do. So while Kurt may say with his mouth, you know, I need a rest. I need to do that. I need to rejuvenate. I need to do this to recover or what have you. He will say the right things, but Kurt's drive will not allow him to sit and, and do the things necessary. A lot of times he thrives on accomplishment, achievement. He wants to do stuff. He just wants to do stuff. Um, but the WWE travel schedule, and obviously in a post COVID world, it's way different, but the travel schedule could be pretty brutal. Sure. It could be. Yeah. Uh, we're in the U S open part of the WWE slash USA relationship. So raw has basically moved to sci-fi for the next two weeks. Do you remember this being just the most frustrating piece of the USA relationship in that era? Uh, between that and the Westminster dog show, they can both kiss my ass. <laughs> what, what did, what did Vince hate more back then being preempted um, for dogs or tennis? We look, man, at least tennis. 
Yeah, tennis. But still, uh, it ain't anything. Any, look, anything that preempts you, you, you're not happy with. Right. Fall is here, and well, we could all use a stiff breeze. Come on, you know the deal. This episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. Guys, confidence can take you far in life. It can also help you in the bedroom, especially when it comes time to step up to the plate. That's where Blue Chew comes in. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredient as both Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Now, the process is simple. You'll sign up at bluechew.com. You'll consult with one of their licensed medical providers. And once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online. So no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversation, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Bluetooth tablets are made in the USA, prepared and shipped directly to your door, all in a discreet package. And guys, ladies say there's nothing sexier than confidence. Well, Bluetooth can help give you the confidence where it counts. So if you could benefit from some extra confidence when it's time to perform, Bluetooth can help. We've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Bluetooth for free and use our promo code WRESTLE at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com. The promo code is WRESTLE to receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank Bluechew for sponsoring the podcast. So there's a philosophy change in the wellness program, at least according to the observer. So don't get hot. Here we go. From now on, if a wrestler is suspended for failing a drug test, they're docked their downside guarantee for 30 days. They'll continue to work both TV and pay-per-views, but will only get expenses covered and get no bonuses for those shows. This way, they don't have to interrupt storylines or change pay-per-view matches if someone fails a drug test because they weren't happy with how things went down at the Great American Bash and a bunch of raw tests coming back. They didn't want to risk screwing up unforgiven plans. Do you remember there being an adjustment here to the policy based on pay and suspensions or any of that? Or was that never something you were involved in? I wasn't really involved in that. I was involved in the creative side of things. So, and you know, I don't mean to betray confidences, but a lot of times when you and I have a conversation off air, you'll say, Conrad, I don't do that. Uh, not my department. And it's always been your approach. I believe where you've said something like, Hey, tell me who we got. Right. That's it. So when I know who we got, I can get going, but. That's kind of it. Uh, but that even goes back to like when Savage left, right? Where you were like, okay, he's out. Let's write something new. Let's go. Yeah. I, I don't need to know the particulars. I don't need to know all the details. It's just, what have we got to work with? And all right, I'm going to scratch that name off the sheet and let's go. Yeah. It's announced the card for uh, Unforgiven is going to feature not only the TLC main event between John Cena and Edge, but also a Hell in a Cell match between DX, the McMahons, and Big Show. So we've got two big stipulations put on one pay-per-view, Hell in a Cell and TLC. Uh, did you feel like as an old school traditionalist that there should be one major gimmick match like this, not two? Or did you get it in this circumstance? No, I, I'm not in favor of it. I like, you know, if you're gonna have a if you're gonna have a major attraction like that, a major stipulation, a major uh, whether it be a cage match or an elimination chamber, hell in a cell or something like that, that it's better to have one. I remember going to TNA and they had one show that all the matches were inside of a cage. Oh yeah. Lockdown. To me, just, I, I hated it. And if you go back folks, yes, I am the one that stopped lockdown, having all the, 
matches in the cage. Because it was silly. Well, yeah, because the first match, okay, you've seen everything you can do in a cage. Yeah, the uh, what's the old Jim Cornette? Uh, if you got a locker room full of seven footers, you ain't got no giants. Right. Well, it's sort of if you got a whole match, yeah. a whole card full of cage matches, you don't have any special attractions. There, there was nothing. It was yeah. just I'm like, okay, why, why do we even need a cage at all? Yeah. Just let them do whatever the hell they want. So the whole card rundown, and we're not to the pay-per-view yet. We've still got some notes, but I just want to mention it's John Cena and Edge at a TLC match. And the stipulation here, not only for the title, but if Cena loses, he's forced to go to SmackDown for three years, uh, which I guess is a little more realistic than loser leaves town or loser must retire. Uh, DX versus the McMahons and Big Show and Hell in a Cell match. Randy Orton versus Carlito. Lita versus Trish for the women's title. It's also Trish's retirement match. Uh, Johnny Nitro versus Jeff Hardy for the Intercontinental title. The Spirit Squad versus the Highlanders for the World Tag Straps. And Kane versus Umaga. Bruce, this is pretty damn loaded for a quote-unquote B-show, meaning it wasn't a joint SmackDown Raw pay-per-view. That's a lot we of... We were doing separate shows, so it wasn't a B-show. It, it was just different. Each, each of the pay-per-views were branded. You had your Raw pay-per-view, and then you would have a SmackDown pay-per-view. It also provided time in between the pay-per-view attractions build instead of four weeks she had eight weeks to build and uh it wasn't it wasn't getting everybody in the pay-per-view you're gonna have so much fun with this next report try to try to not your nuts are exposed are they yeah so i may i'm, oh, I'm oh, just oh. saying i've I got my foot, my, foot is, my foot is right there and it, all right here we go the rumor and innuendo at the time is that ecw had to be taped two weeks in a row because much of the ECW roster was unable to cross the border <laughs> because of their criminal histories. Is uh, that not a red flagged events that, boy, this thing might not be our best idea? That wasn't the only thing that <laughs> were red flags, but yeah, that's kind of a telltale sign. Yeah, maybe not our best idea. Yeah. From the observer here, psychosis is still on the company's roster. He's at every SmackDown taping on Tuesday, but has no storyline since super crazy has his health issues. It doesn't appear there's anything scheduled for him to do. He was buried by one of the agents in a creative meeting. So he's on the outs. He did work an angle on an independent show in Tijuana on the 25th, turning on Ray Mysterio's uncle. Um, You know, I'm fascinated by the line in there, which is why I'm bringing it up. He was buried by one of the agents in creative meetings. Who was? Psychosis. No. I couldn't pick him out of the lineup. I'm not saying that he could, but I, I just wonder, you know, sometimes, you know, back when Arn was an agent with the company, if he would campaign really hard for a guy, you would hear that name. And I think you've even said it before that back in the day in this era, if Heyman would really... Like he, I think you told the story once where CM Punk was getting a big push and uh, Heyman was campaigning for him to tap out Big Show with the Anaconda Vice type deal. And perhaps it gets said often enough that Vince is just like, we ain't doing that just on fucking general principle now. Well, it becomes a tune out factor. It becomes yes. a tune out in, in how you listen to it and, and what you hear. Um, you know, I, I think that. And again, the reason I, psychosis was in a, a pretty good spot with the Mexicals because he had crazy and uh, Juventud. And 
you know, to me, the the guy that, in my opinion, never got his just due um, from big stardom was uh, crazy because he was one of the most talented guys I'd ever worked with personality-wise and also just genuinely great human being. Um, Super Crazy was so underrated and one of the best to ever step in the ring that he he could tell you stories he he could cut promos he could he could do everything and yeah people are gonna say okay he didn't speak english bruce well, yeah he did he spoke enough that he could communicate because he was able to communicate through his emotions and he had that ability and he was just a incredible incredible talent Let's talk about some controversy. The observer would write one of the deep South guys who apparently is close to quitting wrote Johnny Ace to complain about how abusive Bill DeMott is at practice. Laurinaitis told the guy he'd come down and talk to everyone about it, basically trying to tell the guy what he wanted to hear. When he got there, he did an about face and told anyone who didn't like it to go ahead and leave. The DeMott situation was handled months ago when it was mandated. All training sessions would get taped and the tapes have to be shipped to the WWE corporate office. So the office can decide whether or not he's just doing his job or not. The fact that he's still there tells you they're behind him. Of course, we know years later and you weren't there, uh, Bill DeMott would, uh, would no longer be a part of the company and be sort of shown the door. But in this era, were you hearing a bunch of complaints about Bill DeMont? I mean, as a fan, I loved Hugh Morris, but I never knew anything of his training practices outside of what we would read in the observer. Yeah. I, you know, look, I think that everybody has their own opinions and, and how, um, how you want to do things. Uh, to me, I think that individualized training is more effective than group training. And if, I've got a class that's got a guy that's five foot ten that is athletically sound and can do anything in the world. I'm going to train him differently than I am a seven foot giant who is limited in his mobility, um, but yet has a great look and a great personality. I'm not going to have him running ropes for ten minutes doing crisscrosses. Right. Because so help me God, if he ever does that in a match, he'll be fired. Um, also not going to have him out there doing bump and feed drills because he isn't going to bump and feed. So I think that training should be modified to the talent. I think that you need to look and see, you need to get your fundamentals. Everyone should have fundamentals. Everyone should know how to bump properly and be safe. Those are fundamentals. Then you take each individual talent. You know what, man? This guy may not be able to throw a good punch. By God, he can throw a hell of a clothesline or a great forearm. Whatever it is, you go to their strengths and you take out their negatives. You just cut them away. Accentuate the positives. Accentuate the the positives and cut out the negatives. And that's, you know, one thing that in training, if you teach everybody the same, then they're all robots. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I don't think wrestling can be really, I I don't know, but... I don't think you can train wrestlers like, you know, they're it's like a wrestling factory. They're all the same, right? right. You can't do that. Exactly. And, and I think that, um, you know, again, I wasn't there. I have no idea how Bill DeMott taught. Uh, I know there were a lot of complaints and there were people that, that didn't like it. I was not a big fan of uh, the Deep South Regiment. Uh, I felt that it was a little too Vergonia old school. We're going to tire you out type of deal. 
I think it, it was just too regimented in, in that everybody doing the same thing. And um, I didn't see a lot of progress, put it that way. You know, the only guy that I, I think that, that came out of there uh, was MVP that really, you know, was, okay, hey, man, this guy's special. Um, Ohio Valley did a better job than Deep South, fair to say? I would say that, yeah. yeah. I would say Ohio Valley did a much better job. I think Ohio Valley was our best uh, developmental area that we had. The, the the one, you know, to be fair, is you go back and you look at uh, Memphis and what Lawler did. And Lawler was able to, to take guys that we would send him. And the beautiful thing about uh, Memphis, much like Louisville and OVW, was that they could get guys TV time every single week. Lawler's was live, man. Old school territory. Old so. school, and it was live. And Jerry individualized. It wasn't Jerry training them. We had people down there to train them. But it was, they had individual work, man. Each guy was focused on for their individuality, and they were trained to accentuate uh, what they did best. So, you know, in my in my opinion, OVW and Memphis were were where guys probably got the best best training to make them ready for the show. So oh, let's talk about business for a minute here. The earnings report comes out and there's one business correlation I want to bring up. Uh, pay-per-views are steady. House shows are steady. Raw ratings are steady, but boy, SmackDown's ratings have just dropped terribly. What does it mean when there's just one thing suffering like that? When all your other metrics are strong, except that was this more of a, an, an issue where UPN is um this is right before y'all move over to cw so is it a channel issue is it a batista issue do you think he had peaked maybe maybe he didn't have a good heel partner i think at the time he was working with finley do you think he just didn't have the right opponent no i think i from that time period and you look at upn and upn was losing stations yeah it was so now you know you go in you've got a uh viacom station but you know they're lose they're losing affiliates left and right and we're getting all over the place and and it's all of a sudden okay you're on channel nine this week and then next week there's a new upn affiliate it, it was it was not a good time for where we are we were broadcast but it wasn't but, a good broadcast but barely yeah barely isn't it remarkable to look back and we're having a conversation about SmackDown being on UPN or CW and now the shit's on Fox. Yes, it is. It's pretty crazy. Unforgiven sells out weeks ahead of time. So let's not act like business is down here. Uh, there's a couple notable debuts to return uh, or in returns that we want to discuss here. Chris masters is going to come back on raw on August 28th from Atlantic city. And he's going to lose a John Cena by DQ with edges interference uh, masters had, uh, some personal issues to address and then went through OVW, but there is a noticeable difference in Chris's appearance and it's going to become something that we're, we're going to talk about in the future. I'm sure, but he got started so young on the main roster and he was presented as, you know, the masterpiece. It really was a quote unquote body gimmick, right? That's how, yeah. I mean, it was, that's what he was all about. He was a bodybuilder coming in. Uh, shout out to uh, Chris, who I know listens to the show. Uh, good dude. Uh, Candice Michelle and Tori Wilson participate in a paddle on a pole match, uh, which feels like a, a Vince Russo creation. Um, 
What's your favorite paddle on a pole match? Uh, the one you and I are going to have later. I'm not doing a paddle on a pole. Why not? Uh, I'm going to go ahead and pass on that. There's a pole. No, I'm out. Uh, Mike Mazanin, better known as The Miz, makes his debut on SmackDown and defeats Tatanka. Uh, it's better to have a new guy, you know, a guy who's fresh in the business like like Mike, debut on a tape show just in case, right? Yeah, you want to protect him as best as you possibly can, and, and tape will do that. Why was Tatanka the right guy? I think Tatanka's reliable and is going to be able to carry anybody through anything. You know, we circled over uh, Batista on SmackDown. And I know he's not technically on this show, but he's a part of the company. So let's, let's touch on it here. This is a story in the observer. Batista's star fading is being whispered more and more. The reason Kennedy got the U S title from Finley is because they're worried about Batista losing steam and felt Finley is the best on that side of getting someone over. So they're moving toward Kennedy versus Lashley as the U S title program, which is tough because they both need someone to carry them but it's Finley's role to help get Batista back on track where he needs to be to carry the brand. And we've talked a little bit before about how once upon a time, it felt like Vince thought Batista was going to be the guy, not John Cena. And it, it was a two horse race there for a bit, but then it became apparent that this is the John Cena era and John Cena's the face that runs the place. Do you remember there being concern about Batista being the top guy once he was in that spot? I think there's always a little bit of concern with Dave, but I also don't think that it, at this time that it had anything to do with Dave. I don't think it was Dave's fault. And I think that when you look at it, and fit certainly wasn't the answer. Um, Dave needed someone that they really cared about to work with. I think that had Bradshaw been healthy and Bradshaw um, – was the guy, man. You know, I think John did a great job with Batista and really helped make him, but can't work with him all the time. Let's talk about another name, another blast from the past here. Henry Godwin gets a dark match. Hank! And uh, he gets a win over Eric Perez and Bull Buchanan in back-to-back nights from The Observer. Quote, Henry Godwin is expected to be signed, if he hasn't been already, and will be used on SmackDown. This one is controversial because several months back, he was sent to OVW for a tryout and the reports were that he was terrible. Laurinaitis decided against even keeping him around at OVW or deep South, even though it was triple H's recommendation to use him because they're friends that Godwin's son passed away last year. He loves and misses the wrestling business and really just needs a job. Then he got the tryouts last week and reports were that he looked old and didn't look to be good in either match. One internal report was that Godwin versus Buchanan in Columbus, Georgia was one of the worst dark matches in a long time, but triple H got him the job. So he does sign, but he's never used on TV. What happened with this? Who said he signed? So you're saying he didn't sign? No, he didn't sign. He didn't sign him. He, he didn't look good. And, and, uh, he was unfortunately off. He hadn't worked in a long time. I mean, he looked good. You know, physically standing there, but it just, it wasn't there anymore. Just wasn't there anymore. Could a guy like that have been of some value, maybe not even on screen, but in a support role in a developmental territory? I don't think so. I I, I don't, you know. um, You didn't get the teacher vibe from him. Not at all. Hey, listen up. If you're in a 30-year loan, if you've got a second mortgage, if you've got credit card debt, what are you waiting for? Hurry to save with Conrad.com. We're routinely helping wrestling fans just like you all across the country 
save more money than they ever thought possible. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this. But what's best about SaveWithConrad.com? It's the experience. Don't take my word for it. Check out all the five-star reviews over at ConradReviews.com. Michael up in Akron, Ohio, gave us five stars and said Jimmy and Jennifer were great to work with. They always responded right away whenever I had any questions. We got another five-star review from Robert in New Jersey. Another five-star review from Judith in North Carolina. What about a five-star from Nicholas in South Carolina? Or a five-star from Stephanie in Indiana? Or a five-star from Corey in Florida? We want to save you money. We want to show you how to keep more of your own money. And we're routinely helping podcast listeners just like you. Say five, six, seven, even 800 bucks a month. And you can do it too right now at SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender, SaveWithConrad.com. Crime Time debuts on Raw on September 4th. JTG and Shad are really one of the more underrated teams in company history. We just recently lost Shad not too long ago. Uh, by all accounts, a great guy. Any good Shad stories you remember you can share with us? <laughs> None that I can share. No, unfortunately. Oh, funny off-air stories. Yes, funny off-air stories. But uh, By the way, JTG still looks good. I saw him at the old NWA pay-per-view the other day. Nice time. Yeah, First time I met him. Good for him. Both those guys always look good. Another signee comes in at this time. I can't believe this is a real sentence. Brad Armstrong, 45, signed a contract and is expected to be on the ECW brand, mainly or only working on house shows. Perhaps he'll be used as a cat, as a coach or be used to put people over. He was always well-respected as very strong on working and mechanics, but seemed to lack a certain charisma necessary to be a national star. Ric Flair, when he was champion, loved working with him and they had great matches, but the matches usually didn't draw almost universally. Brad Armstrong is praised as being one of the best in-ring workers and one of the best guys to ever come through the business. But he never really made it on TV very often in this era. I don't think ever, maybe. Do you remember you know Brad? why? Why's that? Because he was assigned to be a wrestler. Okay, what was he signed to do? He was brought in to do color. Really? Yeah. That's awesome. How did that come about? Brad Armstrong is one of the funniest, just most personal people you'd ever want to meet. And Brad would have the Brad would sit in the locker room and do commentary and have everybody in stitches. Um Brad just had a, a personality that never met a stranger and, and always just uh, in a good mood. And everybody loved Brad's. So Brad was brought in. We're going to uh, try Brad out as a color commentator for ECW. Brad wasn't being brought in to, to work. If anything, you'd put Brad out there to, to teach people, uh, maybe one of the developmental. That's tremendous. I, I got to say, I didn't see that coming because... We've heard before that Vince didn't like when guys sounded quote unquote too Southern. Brad Armstrong's a Southern boy. Well, God bless the South. I ain't mad at it. All right. God bless Texas. Roll Tide. Uh, Super Crazy moves over to Raw and defeats Chris Masters clean. You just told us how much you love Super Crazy. Excited to see him get a win on TV. But Masters, once upon a time, had a winning streak. Now he's back. And doesn't seem like he's going to be getting the same slot in the company. Did he fall out of favor because he had an issue? Did it, was he just, was it too much too soon? Was it a maturity thing? Did his body not look the same and it was a body gimmick? What was missing? I just think it was all the above. I think it was, you know, he had built his initial debut was all on his body. His initial, everything about him was about his body and how he looked. 
Look, Chris wasn't ready to come in maturity-wise when he came in the first time. Too much too soon. Way too much too soon. And, you know, when Chris came back, I think that there was still a bit of maturity. But, um, you know. Because he's still early 20s. Yeah. And, again, when you, you look at him, you go, holy shit, man, the future with this guy. Um, also, probably too nice for his own good. Yeah, I could see that. Super nice guy. Very nice guy. And and probably too to, nice. Occasionally you have to be an asshole. Yes. Yeah. Occasionally. That's a shame. But here's the thing. Unlike he, me, I'm he's hardly still, ever an asshole. Still not an old guy. I mean, even now. Um, it's announced that the Go Home Raw, the first show at Madison Square Garden in 17 months, will be main evented by Triple H versus Vince McMahon. Why were y'all gone for 17 months? Is this the era where Vince realized, shit, even if we sell it out, we're not making any money because the overhead's so big? Was it a live event or a TV? It's the, uh, it's the, uh, the Raw. Or it's announced wow. that the Go Home Raw will be at MSG. Well, the, that's it in a nutshell. The, the, to try and do television out of Madison Square Garden is an extremely expensive proposition. Oh, just the unions and all that Everything, shit? Everything, yes. I got you. So the Go Home Raw features Jim Duggan making his first appearance in Madison Square Garden in 15 years. Of course, it's a dark match. It's also the first time ECW is taped there. Joey Styles' first appearance at MSG. But most importantly, it's the five-year anniversary of 9-11. It feels like security would have been even bigger than normal at MSG here. Wow. Um, I'm probably no more than usual. Tell me about Toby Keith. He's shown sitting ringside. Uh, I wonder if his old pal Double J was pissy about that. Uh, I don't know, man. But, uh, you know, the funny thing was that I asked Toby uh, if he wanted to do something uh, physical. Uh, and he was like, hell yeah, man. He goes, you know, I, I ain't ready to have a whole match or anything tonight, but I'll, I'll do whatever you want to do. A whole match. <laughs> a whole match. Um. Toby was awesome. I've got pictures of, uh, with Toby from that night. And uh, he was just just a great old guy, man. Umaga makes his Madison Square Garden debut and destroys Flair, which leads to Kane saving Flair to build heat for the upcoming pay-per-view. Roddy Piper's back. He's got an amazing entrance with the Highlanders for a six-man tag against the Spirit Squad. How did that come to be? Just a nice opportunity to get Roddy back at MSG, and we got a couple motherfuckers running around in kilts, so why not? It was actually Roddy's idea, you know, and Roddy was looking to, to do something else. He liked these guys, goes, oh, hey, man, you know, they're wearing the kilts. He goes, I'm the one that made it famous. He goes, let me do something with them. And a way for Roddy to get back it is the garden. It's Roddy. Look, I'm an old sentimental guy with a lot of the old timers. You just, especially if the old timer's name is Roddy Piper, I, I would always fight for him. Trish is going to pin Mickey James in her last match on raw before her retirement. Uh, you know, we've never really spent a lot of time talking about this. I know we talked about Trish a few weeks ago, but why do you think her exit was, was so much different than so many others before or even after her? Well, I think first of all, you know, for Trish, I think people looked at it as you unfortunately cynically do in this business. Okay, it's your last match. I'll see you in six months. Yeah. So I, I think that that was that was the case, and I don't think anybody believed that she but it was stuck. really gone. Yeah, yeah it stuck for a while. 
Vince pins Triple H in a no-holds-barred match to close Raw after getting Lance Cade, Trevor Murdoch, Big Show, and Shane to help defeat him. This is probably uh, the perfect Vince moment, isn't it? Pinning his son-in-law in Madison Square Garden. Absolutely. Uh, the SmackDown and ECW uh, after this Monday Night Raw would see Punk defeat Shannon Moore in Shannon's ECW debut. Renee would defeat uh, Balls Mahoney in his ECW debut. And Sabu would lose his Madison Square Garden debut to Big Show. On SmackDown, we saw Jimmy Wang Yang be promoted uh, to his uh, new cowboy gimmick. What do you... <laughs> you gotta love Jimmy as a cowboy, right? Jimmy is a cowboy. Oh, he's a country boy from Georgia. Yeah. Yeah. In real life. In real life, that's yeah. Jimmy Wang Yang. Yeah. Shout out to Jimmy. Uh, Bobby Lash, uh, Lashley earns the right to Facebook or T at no mercy. And, uh, there's just a lot going on here, but I do want to talk about some outside of the ring news before we get into the pay-per-view Randy Orton and balls. Mahoney are both suspended for 30 to 60 days without pay, but they're still going to be on the road, but just for house shows, you can put two and two together there. I'm sure. But there's another piece of news here. I want to mention that Carlos and Eddie Cologne were at raw on an MSG to discuss Eddie being signed and using WWC as developmental. Now we know Eddie is eventually going to be signed, but why was WWC never used as developmental? They were doing weekly TV and live events. Would it have made sense for them to be a territory? Or did you think, you know, it was just too different? Well, it's a little easier to, uh, get to Louisville, Atlanta and Tampa than it was to, uh, San Juan, but also I think it was a little bit different as far as style and we would have to put someone down there and, you know, Carlos had a blood and guts promotion. That's what it was all about. I didn't think that translated. No. Let's talk about an experiment you ran. Uh, you did an HD TV taping at the Mohegan sun casino the day before this raw September 10th. And this was really just an experiment for when the eventual switch would take place you guys wanted to see what the picture and sound would look and feel like the switch is going to cost tens of millions of dollars, supposedly at least 5 million just for the truck alone. But Meltzer would write in the observer that internally there was some concern that pro wrestling may not translate as well to HDTV because you would be able to see the quote unquote magic. Was that a concern for you? No, not at all. It says, while nobody will publicly say so, there's a lot of concern about the switch because those that are familiar with it Jeez say watching Christ. pro wrestling TV in HD uh, will show that people are very clearly missing punches that are being sold and even calling matches and spots. But you don't think that was a concern for HD? Um, I, no, it's not that I don't think. I know that that wasn't a concern. I don't know where Dave makes up this shit when he has dreams in his head and just writes shit down. Um, as if it, you gotta get hot about it. No, I do get hot about it. Cause the guy just lies and makes shit up and puts shit out there to where people take it as fact. And it's, it's so far from any fact. The concern with HDTV was the cost. The concern with HDTV was, uh, unlike any other concern with a new technology as to whether or not it's going to stick, you know, when, uh, VHS came out. Everybody's like going, don't throw away your Betamax because this, this is never going to stick. And then you go from VHS and the laser discs came out and everybody's like, oh, you better get rid of those VHSs because laser disc is the way everything is going to laser disc. 
that lasted about a year. So anytime any new technology comes out, there's always a concern over the technology and how will the technology hold up? Will people, is everyone going to adapt to it? And with uh, HDTV, the expense was such that you may invest in HDTV and you can produce the most beautiful HD product in the world. If the station that you are on doesn't make that same investment as you, your shit ain't going to be in HD. So it was a matter, the concern was a matter of investment, risk versus reward ratio. And we needed to see, as did everybody else in television, we were one of the first to go to HDTV and actually trans transfer everything over to HD. A lot of television shows, if you recall, you go back and look, a lot of people didn't make the switch at first. Because they weren't, they weren't sure the technology was going to hold and that the stations were going to back it up. So let's talk about some other facts from the Observer. Uh, now, there's no facts if you're quoting from the Observer. You can say Dave Meltzer's uh, said this or made this up, but they're not facts. Here's a fact. Uh, WWE made a pitch to Bob Sapp, but nothing has resulted from those talks. Uh, what do you remember about Bob Sapp? At the time... Huge star in Japan had done crossed over from MMA and done some questionable MMA where maybe it wasn't all the way on the up and up, but he, he became a pop culture icon doing mainstream commercials and appearances and things like that. Mm -hmm. There had to be interest in Bob Sapp. I brought Bob in two times for tryouts to come in and talk to him long before 2006. Why didn't it ever work out? Uh, because Bob had uh, other offers. He had Japan that was willing to pay him a lot more money up front uh, than we were. We wanted him to learn the business. We wanted him to train. We wanted to see a commitment from him. Bob wanted money. Bob wanted fast money. Eventually, he was, shall we say, exposed. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't the same. Had it gone another way, do you think he could have been presented like... I think Bob could have been a huge fucking star. Yeah. I really do. If, if Bob had come into the business before and never gone to Japan and done all that uh, bullshit shoot fighting, I think Bob could have been one of the biggest stars of the business. Let's talk about uh, Road Dog and Billy Gunn. Quote, the only discussions regarding new members of DX, believe it or not, was back in the early summer when Vince decided to bring back Road Dog and Billy Gunn. This was a rare time when knocking the company and in interviews didn't lead to getting rehired. Neither Vince nor triple H had any awareness of the interviews. The two had done Vince takes it as a challenge when he's ripped personally to bring that person in and have the power over them, but they ripped Stephanie and triple H. And apparently that's not the procedure to get rehired. When Vince found out about the interview, he changed his mind. Triple H was also pushing hard for it until he found out how gun said, if he ever saw him, he'd punch him out. And then he nicks the idea as well. Of course, we know eventually they both do return to the company. But were you at least aware of what they were doing when they were calling themselves the Voodoo Ken Mafia in TNA and bashing on WWE and Vince and Hunter? The only thing that I ever, and I never even saw it actually, but I, when we went there to shoot the uh, Royal Rumble spot, the vignette, like the promo, the. Yeah, the, yeah, we were shooting the promos and all the spots for uh, Rumble, the story, West Side Rumble. Story stuff. Yeah. And they allegedly came over. I didn't see them when they were there. Um, but the Road Dog, I guess, was a part of that. But other than that, 
No, I didn't watch TNA. By and large, don't people in the business take stuff like that with a grain of salt and realize, hey, man, you're just working a gimmick in an angle trying to get yourself over and make a payday. I mean, when people in the business knock you now, you understand, oh, you're just trying to get attention for yourself. You don't take that personally, right? Sometimes I do. Really? Depends on the person. Okay. Yeah. Sometimes I do. Yeah, I mean, you're human, so sometimes you do. But for the most part, no, I don't because I'm doing my job. And, and uh, when, when you're paid to do a job and you have to do things with your business hat on, not your personal hat. That's just so part you can't, of it. You can't take it personally. So let's talk about Just Incredible and a few other names, then we'll get into the show. It's written here, Just Incredible has been described as being on the endangered species list, described as sort of gone AWOL. Was he not ready for prime time? Was did he have some personal demons, maybe a monkey on his back sort of thing? Yeah, just that's a sad, sad story, Justin. I mean, I just unfortunately not a good story. Well, here's another sad story. Canyon caused a minor disturbance on a house show in Tampa on September 8th, basically trying to shoot his own angle. Eventually he got kicked out of the building. Um, this is a sad time for Canyon. 06, I think he's, uh, he's come out and, and he wants to present himself as being the first openly gay wrestler, but it happened at an independent show. Uh, he had, uh, done the, the interview route with Howard Stern and, really taking some shots at WWE for the way the whole undertaker angle happened. And then when he came back, uh, they had clips of, of the John Cena interview where he said Canyon wasn't very good. And unfortunately we lost Canyon a few years later in hindsight. Do you think that thing could have ended, could have gone any better? Could his experience with WWE have been a different, I mean, gone a different way. He's still a, a cult favorite, huh. if you will. Could it have gone a different way? Could he have not gotten injured? Could he have not uh, taken shortcuts during his recovery and been out a year and a half while he got paid every day? Um, sure, it could have gone different. Well, and we I'll- weren't there to hold his hand every single day and say, now you do this correctly or you do that. Um he was probably suffering from mental illness at the time too. And, and so that, you know, you need to get help. And I, but you can't, if you don't know that, there's no way for you to be able to help them to help and, and they folks. have to help themselves Yeah, and they have to step up and say, Hey man, I, I need help or say something. But when your only thing is, is, Oh, Hey, yeah, man, I'm great. But you're out for an injury for over a year and a half and you are out further because of something that you do. Um, I think we did everything we possibly could do for him and, and no one knew any of his other issues. No one, no one knew of his, his mental issues and his mental health issues. I think he was bipolar, right? Yeah. Yeah. But nobody knew that. Right. No one knew that till after the fact, till after it was too late. And that's just a damn shame. That's a waste of talent. And he was troubled with his, insecurity about sexuality it's just a sad sure. story yeah and and you know you go back and and there was a day in time hey folks it wasn't cool right it wasn't cool to be different yeah and Ken was different but he wasn't especially when you're a kid like when you're a kid yeah. you want to be like everybody else you, that's the last thing you want to do exactly you know where canyon was different is that he was talented and he could do some incredible moves and do some incredible stuff but i don't know that his his own capacity to go beyond that and accept who he was and embrace it. It's just, yeah, it's a sad story. 
So let's talk about Unforgiven 06. We're finally here. We're in Toronto. We've got 16,105 fans for a sellout. Uh, the pay-per-view is going to do 289,000 buys. As a reminder, the year prior, Unforgiven 05 was John Cena and Kurt Angle on top from Oklahoma City. They only drew 8,000 uh, in attendance and 243,000 buys. So uh, a pretty substantial improvement year over year. And by the way, the readers of the Wrestling Observer gave this 89.1% thumbs up. They really like this show. It's a good show, Unforgiven 06. That scares me whenever they like something. So the first match is Johnny Nitro and Jeff Hardy. They go 17 minutes and 36 seconds. Uh, Johnny is going to retain the Intercontinental Championship. I think a lot of people seeing Jeff Hardy come back like this, they assume, oh, well, Hardy's going to win. Of course, it doesn't happen. At the finish, Hardy uh, kicks Nitro into Milena, who falls off the apron. She's acting like her ankle was hurt. Hardy goes for a schoolboy. Great near fall there. Then Milena takes off her boot. Nitro comes off the top of the Hurricane Rana. Uh, Hardy turns it into a power bomb for a near fall. And then what do you know? Melina hits Hardy with her boot. Nitro gets the pin two and a quarter stars. These are two main roster guys. Now, 15 years ago, tearing it up for the intercontinental title. It's almost like they found the damn fountain of youth, huh? I would say so. You know, in my head, all I heard was Melina took off her boob. Her boob. First. And I, well, that'd be a hell of a trick. And then you, and I'm sitting there and I'm waiting for the punchline. And then you said it again and it was boot, and I, then I had to reprocess everything. I got you. Gotcha. Yeah, if she took her boob off, it would be. It would be that would be a feat, buddy. I got an idea for. Oh, buddy. <laughs> oh, buddy. Let me tell you, leave it. Little Molina, here's what we're looking for on this one. I want everybody listening Lit. to know if if she pull if somebody on TV pulls a boob off in the next two weeks, we know where that idea came from. Listen, Johnny and Jeff are gonna be in there. They're gonna be going bing bang boom, zingum zim zim. He's gonna go up and do that flippity flop fly bullshit. When he get up there, what the fuck? What do you mean? Who the fuck is he? Don't use pronouns. There's only two motherfuckers that can do a goddamn flippity floppity fly. He's fucking Jeff Hardy, so just listen to the goddamn thing. Fucking pronoun, the only two. He, he, he's gonna want to do the flippity fly. You take your boob off. You take your boob off. You knock him over the fucking head with it. Boom, bing, bang, boom. Then he jumps on him. One, two, three. That's hot, baby. You ever been knocked out with a boob? On fire. I have. In Texas? Heartbreakers? All over the world. (laughs) Taking a lot of bumps for boobs. Yeah. But not since the early. I'm taking a lot of boobs. I mean, mean, bumps. Yeah. Something like that. So match number two, Kane goes to a double count out with Umaga in uh, seven minutes and three seconds. The crowd was way into our man Estrada. What a great promo he was back in the day. Was he, was he not? Do you have an Armando impression? No, I can't do it. I can't roll my R's. However, if we could bring over Dave Silva's wife, apparently she can roll some damn R's. She's got it down pat. But Dave won't let her out of the house. He will not. No. He will not. They're not welcome here, as you know. Dave had to sneak in the other day. Yeah, I was recording or he wouldn't have been he'd have been stopped at the door. So both of the guys brought to the back, they're counted out. Meltzer would call it a crappy finish, and of course the crowd's booing it heavily heavily, uh star and a quarter. Uh but still a double count out for a pay per view. That's kind of bullshit. No, but that ain't bullshit. Here's what it is. It's taking two of your, your, your main entities and putting them together, colliding, if you will, and then they're gonna want people having a little bit more. Umugu. 
Next up, we've got the spirit squad. Uh, in this case, it's Mikey and Kenny. They're going to retain the world tag team titles over the Highlanders in nine minutes and 59 seconds. Dave says the crowd was dead for this one. And then remarks, it's really amazing how quickly the spirit squad got over and how buried underground they got so fast. Uh, behind the referee's back, Johnny hit Robbie with an enzigiri and Mikey pinned him three quarters of a star. That really is the tale of spirit squad, right? They come in hot working with all the top guys and then they go, then they go, they've gone. You know what? The rest of this, I'm going to do all in dusty when we're talking about finishes and shit. So that when they come in, the spirit squad comes in, all the male cheerleading. I got a O, I got a B, I got a Y, Obi. I don't know what the fuck that's supposed to spell, but it means that I ain't Obi anymore. Next up, one of the more memorable Hell in a Cell matches, and I'm not kidding. 25 minutes and four seconds, DX beat Vince and Shane McMahon and Big Show. That bullshit, baby. Everybody's bleeding. Both McMahons are bleeding in the first like minute or so. Eventually, they do a spot where they drape Big Show over the top rope and pull down his pants, and then they ram Vince's head up Big Show's ass. And then Michael's. That's a big ass to that kind of. I mean, t- yeah. c- carry me through how, how you dusty who weren't there, how you pitch big show on. And then what if Hunter shoved Vince's head big up man. your ass? Big man, I got an idea. Oh God. You know how Vinny Mac always sitting there he had them, he had them boys that dropped it, dropped the drawers and says, kiss my ass. And they puck up. Well, how about. We get a little spot in him, and we we, we flip it on him because it was nastier than having your head shoved up, big old nasty, big show ass. And the hunter gonna drop your drawers, and then when it's time, Benny Mac gonna get all up in there. So listen, later on, I need you to eat some asparagus for lunch, if you will. You know what I'm talking about, baby. It's gonna be a nice little spot. People gonna remember it forever. Go down to infamous. The McMahons are blading multiple times in this match. Uh, Hunter even cuts his ear. Uh, this is some crazy blood and someone's head goes up someone else's ass. Sean's going to super kick Vince and then triple H hits Vince in the head with a sledgehammer and Meltzer would write, I want to show you this breaking it in two and in parentheses, obviously pre gimmicked. I don't know why, but that tickles me that he felt the need to let the audience know that. Oh, because he's the smartest guy in the room. <laughs> he didn't really break it. Because Dave Meltzer is just the smartest guy in the room. He's the only one that knows. You know, and it's funny. He's the only one that hears all this other fucking bullshit. Wait, 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 wait. We were just having gossip. fun. That was supposed to be fun. <laughs> no, no, it's not fun. Nothing about him's fun. He doesn't know how to have fun. You don't know that. I do know that. He likes to party. Yeah, okay. Well, you can party on my ass. We get funky like a monkey, funky like a monkey up on my ass. So the match got uh, three and a quarter stars. Why is this your favorite uh, Hell on a Cell of all time? I hated it. What? It's got Vince. Uh, it's got Shane. Yeah. It's got Hunter. It's got the whole fam. It's best ever. The only way it could have been better would if, if if Linda... Then it would have been perfect. Then I would have loved it. Then I said, Steffi, baby. Little Steffi, I got an idea. How about? Yeah. 
No, I, I just thought it was too. I thought it was too much. That's me. The Hell in a Cell uh, looks a little different here too. Um, is that based on production? Just the ability to really see what's going on more? Do you think? Or yes, yeah. It's just you know you want it, it, to as you do more, you you grow and you learn to give a little bit better, different viewing experience at home. How adamant was Vince on being taken out on a stretcher? That feels like something. God damn, take me out on a stretcher. Leave me laying. Vinny Mac, Vinny, we're going to send out the, the PMTs. They're going to put you on there. That's the PEB, PEB medical team. <laughs> that was good that you freestyled that. I like that. The PMTs. <laughs> and that one, I, yeah, that wasn't even thought of. That was, that was kind of like a fuck up at first. But you made it into then, a yes, deal. Yes. So chat me up about. You know, you, somebody has to sit down with Paul White and say, "Hey, here's what we got in mind." Was he cool with? I'm sure he his was. Boss being up his ass. Literally? Yeah, I'm sure he was. Okay, probably liked it. Oh, okay. Next up, Trish is going to pin Lita in three minutes. I'm sorry, eleven minutes and thirty four seconds to win the women's title. And there is a loud "Thank you, Trish" chant early. She goes for the Stratisfaction. Lita turns it into a sunset flip, but before she uh, gets over, Trish blocks it, puts on the sharpshooter. Lita struggles to find the ropes and now are off to the races, but the sharpshooter got everybody all excited when Trish pulled her into the center and Lita tapped Meltzer would call it probably the best women's match on pay-per-view in a long time. The crowd gave Trish a big ovation. Lily and Garcia is in major tears at ringside, which I'm sure you've uh, seen before yeah. and they don't have, uh, any kind of ceremony in the ring and she doesn't do a promo three and a quarter stars. At this, in this era, and obviously, you know, the women's revolution at this point now was what, six years ago or whatever it is, but Trish and Lita here were the best of the best trailblazers in this era. Absolutely. Trish and Lita were the best of the best at that time. And they proved it on that night. But when she comes back through the back, you're thinking it's not goodbye forever. It's see you later. See you later. Yes. Yeah. Next up, Randy Orton and Carlito. Uh, they go eight minutes and 41 seconds. And Meltzer would know usually the women's match is placed to be an intermission substitute to take the crowd down. But on this show, it was this match. Now that's something I'm now, oh, you're rolling your eyes at me, but listen, you've often acknowledged we need a quote unquote, let me up match. And so it depends you, on the card depends on the layout, but you don't want two emotional highs back to back. You need a buffer. People have to build. Well, it was down. no emotional high that was going to go into Orton and Carlito. So this is the perfect one. It's a match. It's a good match. All right. You got to get hot about it. I am hot about it. So, uh, remember your nuts are right there. Randy Orton gets busted up in, in the match. Accidental elbow. Uh, eventually we, uh, we have an RKO though. Second verse, same as the first Randy Orton gets the win. Um, two and a quarter stars was Randy really coming into his own as a performer in 06. I know he's got some maturity stuff going on outside of the ring and behind the scenes and things like that, but he'd already been world champion a few years ago, but it feels like you guys are, I mean, he's working with Hogan on the last pay-per-view for goodness sake. He's got a lot of faith and confidence from Vince, right? I think that Randy Orton, uh, you know, you look at his career and man, the some bitch gets better with age. But this was at a time that I don't think anybody could touch him in the business. The finish here has been replayed on highlight packages for years. As a reminder, 
Um, Carlito escapes the RKO, hits the backcracker. Then he tries a double springboard into a crossbody, but Orton sidesteps it right into an RKO. Even Meltzer would say the timing of the finish was perfect. It's not an easy spot. Because Dave's done it so many times. <laughs> He's complimenting and you're still mad. Yes. Um, so we're talking about sort of two stars here. It feels like here Orton's continually on the rise and for whatever reason, it feels like Carlito maybe is headed the other direction. I don't think so. I don't, I don't necessarily think that Carlito was, was on the way down at all, but Orton without a doubt was constantly, consistently best guy going night after night. Consistent. The main event, a TLC match for the world title. Remember, if John Cena loses, then he's got to go ahead and move to SmackDown for three years. That's not the case. Cena beats Edge in 25 minutes and 28 seconds to win the match. And Meltzer would say it was their best bout to date. And there's one big scary bump. Quote, Cena took one bump as the ladder was pushed over where he flew over the top rope and went through a table. Unlike the usual back bump you're taught to try and take, he landed on his hip or tailbone, but got right back up and finished the match. He went nearly a half hour, but there was only one spot where he groaned or where you groaned, even though those who wish he wasn't in the position he's in, they should honestly have to give him grudging respect. He's very much like Steve Austin and that he's so over, he doesn't have to work hard every night. And unlike Austin, he didn't grow up admiring and emulating the great workers or even have Austin's level of ability. But just the same, his effort going above and beyond has to be praised. I think that's pretty cool that he's going out of his way to say, and this is really the era where even John's... That's the most backhanded fucking... Well, there's a lot of guys who don't like John Cena. They don't like his gimmick or his presentation or his character. And a lot of people would say, oh, he only knows five matches. But in this era, people started to refer to him as like Big Match John, where, hey, maybe you don't love his house show matches. Maybe you don't love his television performances. But when he's main eventing a pay-per-view, that motherfucker is going to have a good match. Hey, John, every time John would go out, John would have a good match. John would do everything that he could to have a different match every night and experiment, not do the same thing every night. Um, That's who Cena was. That's who Cena is. And... You know, I, I would I would kill to have had, you know, five guys on the roster that were like John Cena. As far as, um, I'm not saying your fandom, I know that's Terry and Dorian, blah, blah, blah. But I'm just saying actually working in the professional wrestling business and all the places you've worked. Is John Cena on your Mount Rushmore of talent of just guys you enjoyed working with? Absolutely. I think that's interesting. Absolutely. Know. I've just heard you say a lot of glowing things about him, and I got that vibe. Love the guy to death. Who else would would be in that same vein where you're like, hey, this is the Mount Rushmore? It's Cena and? Undertaker. Okay. Um, I put Austin and Rock on there. Wow. So let's talk about the finish. It's a big finish. Uh, Cena gets Edge up. Put Sean on there. Oh, wait. Sorry. Four. Uh, Uh, You know what? My Mount Rushmore, I I didn't stop. It's just four. Yours top five. Yeah. Top five. So Cena gets Edge up on the ladder in a fireman's carry, drops Edge off his shoulders with an FU through two tables, then he grabs the belt for the win. He goes over to his dad in the front row and hugs him, which, you know, given what we had seen at the, the pre-tape thing at John Cena Sr.'s house, <laughs> it's a nice little payoff. Four and a quarter stars. Man, great show. Top to bottom, an un, an, a rather um, 
you know, when people look back and they talk about their favorite wrestling pay-per-views, they often quote like, Hey man, remember at SummerSlam so-and-so or remember at rumble so-and-so or remember at WrestleMania such and such unforgiven, not normally a show thrown around, but this is a damn good show. It was a great show top to bottom. But even last week when I teased, or actually a few days ago, when I teased, we were going to cover it. You're like, eh, mind games. But is that just because no, you- that was actually at the top of this show? Oh, yeah, that too. Yeah. <laughs> Adam Leeson says, uh, did anyone fight against Trish winning the title on her last night with the company? Nope. Uh, how high does Brace Root Shane as an in-ring competitor? I think that uh, at the top, because Shane busted his ass uh, unmercifully for every single match he's ever had. Training. <laughs> Jeremy Priest wants to know, where does the John Cena-Edge rivalry rank on your list? The rivalry was definitely one of my favorites. Well, it's one of my favorites because, to me, it was two things. It solidified Cena uh, in many ways as the man, but it also brought the very best out of Edge because you got to see Crazy Edge. you got to see so many different dimensions of Edge, and it brought Edge to the next level as well. It was the perfect elevation of two guys in one program. The perfect good guy for the perfect bad guy. Yes. Uh, Rory says, uh, why was the Hell in a Cell reconfigured? And is the new version better or worse than the original? We already answered the first part. Did you prefer the first Hell in a Cell look or the second one here? Hmm. I like the first. I think similarly I, because of what we talked about earlier. Just the first impressions. Yeah. 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 Uh, Anthony says, uh, were the plans already in fruition to have Edge join Orton and form team uh, rated RKO at this point? I really don't remember at that point if that was, it may have been, I don't remember. Turtle says, was there ever any thought given to putting Trish and Lita on last in hindsight? Should it have been considered? I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, Jaden says, did you see this match as the one that really certified edge as a top guy? Yes. Uh, Fernando, uh, not this match, this program. Okay. That's fair. Uh, Michael says you've mentioned over the years that coming to Canada can be sometimes an issue. Were there any issues getting the hell in a cell over? No, nope. I, I know that sounds silly, but sometimes transporting a big structure like that, yeah. that's no easy feat. Nope. Uh, one last one. And this is from Eric. What would it sound like if Jim Cornette got his head shoved into big shows? Motherfucker. The fuck didn't Lenny Bakken ask any goddamn questions this week. That's the big motherfucker. B A K K E N Lenny from Wisconsin. So I, I know you didn't expect to have to uh, work on your vacation. Yeah, this is bullshit. We're gonna do one more tomorrow. Maybe. No, we're gonna do mind games. You like mind games? I don't know. Before we do it, before you go CP nine nine tonight, can we watch the uh, the Sean Mankind main event? It's one of the best matches. It's one of the best matches. It's the one where Mick takes the bump head first through the table. Yes. And you know what's a little thing that I still like? I like that Sean, you know, Mankind peels the the mats back to expose the concrete. And then Sean covers him up with it and just jumps on it. And it's such a little thing, but it still sticks out in my memory 25 years Oh, yeah. Later. And I can't wait to, to, li- to listen to your little bitch boy's uh, comments about that match. He loved it. Yeah. Well, there's other things he said about it, too, that are that even if you don't say him, I'm going to. You expose him for Mickey Mark that he is. Are you ornery? I'm very ornery. Do you, is it time for you to take your nap? It's time for me to do something. Oh, is it time for poo-poo? no, no poopoos yet. How many emodiums are you down today? Uh, two today. Two today. 
Yeah. Yeah. Is the uh, is the bidet to your liking or the wash lever? Well, yeah, my wife put it in. Do you want to give a plug for the one? Oh, they're not paying us somewhere. No, they're not paying us. No, I'll plug my wife. Well, that's, I don't want to be here for that. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll, <laughs> no. we'll see you. I guess me and you will see each other. I said, we were sitting, after. we were sitting out by the pool the first day. You and plugged I said, your wife. By I the said, pool? Hey woman, come here. I said, Hey, this is ours, right? And she said, yes. I said, you're putting this in upstairs on, on Monday. She thought that was wonderful. She goes, oh, that's so sweet. Hey, I forgot to tell you, I have a gift for you at the office. You told me. But you, you've been telling me that for fucking... Buddy, like, you've, you've been, been telling me that for like about six weeks. Six months, I think. Well, because the last time I sent you something, you didn't even acknowledge it. It's not true. It is true. It's not true. Yes, it is. I acknowledged it as soon as I got it. You called Megan. You didn't call me. Oh, God. That's the difference. Same difference. All right, I'm going to start calling Stephanie to get on your schedule. Go ahead. Forward. At least she'll answer. Yeah. I got to get new friends. You do. Jim Ross don't behave like this when he comes over. Yeah, exactly. I bet he doesn't. I'm just kidding. He's yeah. Not, he's, he's never been in this. <laughs> I think he was once. Megan and I were talking about that, but yeah, he didn't have. Oh, a, I had to be a joy. He didn't have, <laughs> he didn't have a room named after him, right? You got the brother. You didn't let him sleep here, did you? He would never sleep here on purpose. I think he. I likes, mean, I'm sure you could pass out here, but. I think he likes his privacy. So do I. Well, so I have my own wing. Well, that's true. Can we you tell me I'm not private upstairs? I'm not going up there. I'm leaving exactly. you alone. I know what's going on up there. They're shitting on the floor. God damn. I got an elevator drops me off into my room. Folks, there's an honest guy elevator drops me off into my suite, my, my whole, what would I call that? My wing. So when the elevator goes up to the, to the uh, fifth floor, Third. it like opens up right into my suite. Right? Why do you do this? Why do I do what? I mean, why do I do what? Okay, hang on. Hang on. Just you got to stop all this. Dude, my wife walks in. She goes, Oh my God, is that new? You you built a whole brand new Gigantor uh, three season deck outside that you enclosed. You've got it's been all here that from new the over there. And then the. I have pictures of you asleep the, on that patio five years over ago. The, over the pool and everything. Yeah. The yeah. pool goes right over a mountain. So, but the people on the other side of the mountain just think it's a giant waterfall why, coming why? down out of the mountain. Because the pool and the waterfall, the infinity pool, are that big. And so he's got this slide hey, that you can go down. While you were sleeping this morning at 11 a.m., uh, I'm hanging out with your wife, which I've been doing a lot this week. I actually like her better than you. Most uh, people do. <laughs> and she says, yeah, Bruce came down to get in the hot tub yesterday when you were editing the show. And he said he couldn't figure it out. What does he have to do? And I said, take the cover off. And she says, well, he said he didn't know how to do that. And Megan is standing there and she says, Stephanie, you just take the cover off. She's like, and then what? And Megan goes, there's an on button. You just turn it on. Why the fuck am I supposed to know that? You got you got all this shit on your phone, man, and you took it all off my phone. I did, folks. Not. He's okay. So I swear to God, you know how like this those little square. Th- this is not. 
So help me God, you're going to go to hell if you deny this. There used to be a little square on my phone. It was called Conrad's House. Okay. Of all the apps and all the shit to control the pool, the to control the stereo, to control the alarm, the to control the lights, the cameras, the mute, everything in the house. Yeah. I had like about eight different apps yeah. that were in the one little square on my phone yeah. that you had me download and do, all right? And I could, I could control... The temperature yes. in every single room in the house. I yep. could turn the lights on and off. I could heat the pool up to whatever temperature I wanted. I could do all these different things. And then you cut me off. All right. First of all, you cut me off. You went back to work for the man and got a you new phone. You cut me off. When you get a new phone, you don't get the old apps. The apps come over on the phone. Show me on the phone where the apps are. They're not there anymore. I, I, I They didn't work. So I deleted them. How did you know that you haven't been here in years? I still tried to fuck with you while I was long distance and turned shit on at three o'clock in the morning. You're a bad person. What? So you wanted to... I wanted to turn all the lights on in the house and turn on some little yachty. A, A, B, I. What's your favorite line in that one? Maybe I'm a vacation. Wait, I'm going to take out my mom. I'm going to vacation Bahamas. I don't think that's your favorite. Uh, you're a bad person. Why am I a bad person? You've just that admitted been funny that shit. you wanted to wake me up in the middle of the night. That would have been funny shit. You know that would have been funny but shit. But yeah, you, you, you mock me when I put pickles in your bedroom. That's not funny. It is funny. But that's not funny. What that's about the rude. time I came home a day early and you're floating in my pool and I just played John Cena's theme song? Yeah. Did I move? Yes. No, I didn't. Oh, I have video. I, mean, I, stayed, right in the, I stayed right in the gimmick. I just looked up hey. <laughs> it was optimum sun at that time. I wasn't going to move. Yeah. Maybe I shouldn't post that. That was a very almost a nearly naked Bruce Pritchard. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be bad. Do you think uh do you think we should wrap the show up now? We've been rambling for quite a while. I thought we wrapped up a while ago. Well you have to say goodbye. Here's what here's what we'll see you next week right here on Something to Wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. Rock on. Now is it the end of the show? Now it's the end. Hey everybody, this is Dan Bespris, host of Fantasy NBA Today, a daily fantasy basketball podcast. We cover every box score from every game every day, plus bonus shows on buy low opportunities, players to stash, schedule analysis, and really anything you could need to smash your league into deliciously tiny pieces. Catch the Fantasy NBA Today podcast, part of the Believe Network, on YouTube or wherever you listen.